I wonder, did anybody catch that? Did you listen to that? Cowboy Dick's ice cream? <laughs> no, I didn't listen to that. I put it at the very, very, very end, after the yep. music started fading away. Maybe you should start listening to the show. What? Hey everybody, RC Alien Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode number 92. DJ Nick is in the hizzle. Yo, Nick. What's up? I'm a pain in the ass are, today. Are you, are you still a DJ? What, what's up with that? Uh, I'm you, always a DJ. I woke up a DJ. <laughs> you woke up a DJ? Wiggy wiggy. That's right. <laughs> I was going to say, come on, give me the record scratching sound, dude. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I got to work into it a little bit. Do I have to work on the whole intro? Like the... Do I have to say it a certain way? DJ Nick is in the hizzle. That that really has a Caucasian ring to it. <laughs> Caucasian ring. I think ring it works. I think it works. Understatement. Yeah. Can Justin, I get the, the non-Harvard version, please. The non-Harvard version. <laughs> Justin Pucci's in the house as well. He is. What's up, guys? I'm a little disappointed that the Compass guy has abandoned us tonight. Oh, Man. yes figures what a dick he's in brooks oregon by the way he is he's at a fun fly he's having he's a good time and he is going to do his beer. best to fill us in on all the shit that we're missing we should give him a surprise phone call sometime during the show we should just call I think, him i think just we should not even Dude, warn him absolutely we have a special guest with us tonight boys and girls you guys might recognize this name chris trebby Hey guys. Say hi, Chris. How y'all doing? Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. So, Chris is a listener, and, you know, he called me and said, dude, how much How much would it take? How, you What's know, it going to take? How much? How big of a check do you want me to write to get on the show? I thought we weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> no, Chris is just oh, one of the guys. On. I'm that, willing to do more than just pay money. Oh, sorry, oh, man. Oh. Dude, you well, here's the way I look at it. Jesse's moral compass is like 800 miles away. So, <laughs> oh man, this could go bad. Bring out. it on, moral compass. So, Chris is uh, he's one of our supporters. He listens to the show, and I got a hold of him the other day because he and I chat back and forth every now and again. And I said, "Dude, we got to get you on the show, man." He's like, "But, but why? Why?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, because, man, why not? Because the people have spoken. That's right. What could I possibly have to offer? Doesn't that badass could... charging case for exactly. one. Exactly. We're going to. Oh, you saw that? We are yeah. going to grill you about that in a bit. Oh, here. man. So before we kind of get into what's been going on, we're going to start with Chris. Dude, where do you live, man? You live down. You're a warm weather dick, aren't you? I am a warm weather dick. I live down here in Florida, down in uh, Stewart, Florida, which is. Just a little bit north of Palm Beach. You suck. Oh, man. I thought yeah, I was going to like you. I really not very did. nice down here. It's not at all? No, well, this Heat time waves and lots yeah. of water. Yeah, all definitely right. not good. But tell me this. What is the temperature in mid-December out there? Mid-December, on a good day, it's about 75 to 80 oh. degrees. On a bad Dude. day, it's about 50 to 60. 
I think I'm just going to hang up on you. Right Your now. bad day is my <laughs> regular day. <laughs> yeah. Dude, mid- your, wor- your worst day is like heaven. Mid-December here for us, it's like 22 degrees. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, I and, wouldn't even be outdoors. And a foot of snow. Seriously. You, you guys fly in that weather? Uh, I'm gonna, how about if I just go with yes on that? No, okay. you're a freaking sure. You try. You do not. <laughs> I hate the cold. I try. I do try. And I've been known lives to. in Montana. Dude, I, I have driven to the field in the winter and sat in my truck for three hours and just drove back home. Didn't even get out. Oh, dude. That's, I mean, I go. That's I have, like someone who lives in Arizona saying they hate the sun. I know. Well. I have every intention of flying in the winter. I, I get there, and I see the snow blowing across the field. And, you know, I roll the window down, and it's just cold as shit. And I'm like, nah. You have every intention, but your giner does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, you fly, helis, uh, you fly helis, I take it. That's pretty much all I fly. Yeah? What do you got, man? What are you flying? What helis are you flying? Well, I've got a, uh, I've got three helis. I've got a T Rex 550 that I started with. That was my first helicopter, and then a Goblin 700. Oh, you're, and, you're uh, one of those T Rex 450. He's one of those guys, Nick. Dan, gobble, gobble. he lives, gobble, he lives gobble. in Florida. What did you expect? That's yeah, you have oh, to. Yeah, it's, that's true. If you want to get a driver's license down here? It's required. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you want to vote in Florida, you got to show up with oh, a yeah. Goblin's minimum, owner's certificate. Minimum 500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's your how, how are you flying what what do you do are you like uh are you like a smackdown 3d guy no i want to be but no yeah. not yet yeah. i've been i've been flying for about two and a half years now I, probably in the last six months i started to get comfortable so now now i can fly inverted i can do some pretty ugly pyro flips but uh just starting just starting to kind of come into it get comfortable with it yeah how often are you crashing I really haven't crashed all that much. Maybe in two and a half years, flying every weekend, I think I've probably crashed real crashes about three times, maybe maybe four times. A few Not broken landing skids, all. but that's about it. God, Do you sim? I sim a little bit, not a ton, but whenever I practice something new, I do it on the sim first. Then I go out and try it. There you go. What's your sim choice, man? There you go. Phoenix. That was what I wanted Phoenix. to know. Phoenix. Phoenix. Dude, that's strike three. Warm oh, weather man. dick. Flying a goblin. goblin, now Phoenix. Phoenix. What's up, dude? Well, I do hey. fly the goblin on Phoenix. Didn't you get the memo before we arranged this? Haven't you come on the uh, show about things that you cannot be in favor of? Dude, I'm two out of those three. So, <laughs> I so is that compass. Stop kidding. Jeez. Oh, it's really going downhill now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I used to do Phoenix, and then I saw the light. Well, I can't get my Phoenix to connect to the internet anymore, so maybe I have to switch. Your Phoenix doesn't... That sounds like a reasonable excuse. There you go. Well, <laughs> these two haven't made the switch yet either. So you're you a good guys, company. You guys are flying Phoenix still? Yeah. When, when well, I do. okay, let's... I want to clarify a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't fly shit. <laughs> I have possession of the Phoenix software. It is loaded. There's a transmitter that sits next to my computer just in case I feel like I should sim, but that doesn't happen. He truly lives up to the nickname No Fly. <laughs> Isn't that right, Justin? 
No, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm trying to break that shit. You're killing me. Oh man. So we're gonna we're gonna kinda move along, but but don't don't get comfortable because we're gonna grill you about your charging case and all, right, all, all your flying stuff. But uh before we do that, let's kind of find out what Nick and Justin have been up to this week. Justin, did you get any flying in at all this week? No, dude. I didn't. <laughs> Why doesn't that surprise me? Well, it's no a weather fly. thing again. It's always it's a weather, a weather thing. It no. has been. The, dude, the heli's been in the back of my car the entire freaking week. And every time I go out for lunch, it's raining. I mean, that. He, okay, here's the deal, though. There is a momentous event occurring in the next week that you may not be aware of because you live in Montana. <laughs> and I think a lot of the listeners may not be aware of. And that that event happens once a year and it is called July 5th. And the reason why July 5th is so important is because that's the first day of summer in Seattle. Historically, it'll be pissed down with rain the entire freaking time, including your 4th of July holiday. So is and that then, like the one day in Seattle it doesn't rain? Yeah, on July 5th, the you know the the clouds part and the sun comes out and then we have summer for about eight weeks and then we descend back into darkness for another nine months now it, this year's actually been pretty good yeah. the spring's been nice to us but i'm looking forward to july 5th and uh the weather forecast says that we're we've got uh 80 degree weather going forward for like the next couple of weeks huh. so we'll see how it goes but no, I haven't been flying. I have, however, been doing uh, some other work. Uh, we have a listener that people may or may not be aware of. His name's Brett Bowen. He's here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Eastern Washington. And he he's also one of the guys, for those of you in the Pacific Northwest, uh, he set up the Facebook, um, Facebook group called northwest rc heli flyers right just a you know a small group of uh, us here in the northwest where we can chat with people you know put stuff up for sale etc um and he is into large-scale boat racing he, the organization he's involved with asked him if he could do some aerial photography stuff uh he doesn't have any of that set up but he and i ended up uh, talking a bit about it and I am going to be, I'm going to, I'm actually selling him one of my rigs. It's a, it's a Hexa, a DJI Hexacopter. Um, but I've been spending most of the week getting that set up and doing some research on what gimbal he wants to use and how we're going to get it set up with the camera. So it's, it's not helis, I know, but it's still, it's still pretty fun. Oh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep. You were talking. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was waiting for something from you, Dan. Come on. Uh, I was going to let that, that dramatic pause linger for a bit, but I was thinking that maybe someone was going to break in with, hey, did we lose everybody or what? So That's cool, man. I guess. Whatever. The enthusiasm is overwhelming, dude. Seriously. Reminds me of a parody. I, hey, I got to ask Nick a question. And it has to do with this July 5th thing. So, Nick, should we lay some bets down? Um, the weather's going to turn nice, apparently. 
are we going to bet on what the next excuse is once the weather gets good? For the no, no dude, he's got mad creative skills when it comes to the excuses. Dude, you've seen the Rolodex. I have. I tried to yeah. borrow it at, at our fun fly, but you were stingy with it. Nope. I was trying Got to it. use it when I when I was trying to think of an excuse why my nitro didn't start for the demo. Nope. But you wouldn't let me use it, you stingy bastard. Sorry, man. Yeah. Many, many oh hours. That shit's have for been me. Spent in a thesaurus working on that Rolodex. <laughs> it's it's proprietary, man. It does not go anywhere. They just come to me. You know, I jot it down on a little uh, <laughs> notebook I've got, my back pocket. It's like, ooh, this one's going to be good. So basically, you've been doing a whole lot of nothing this week. Nick, what have you been doing? <laughs> oh. Damn it. <laughs> well, well, I got up and uh, I left my diner at home mm-hmm. and I flew. Yeah. Almost. Wait. Every day this week. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah. Unfair advantage. Yes, unfair advantage. I'm adva- calling BS. Dude, there's no BS to that. That's a true statement. <laughs> I. It's not my... You know what? And it only costs, you know, I don't know, two, three grand? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a trip to send your family away. Dude, you got to do what you got to do to get some stick time in. That's funny. Yeah. It's like, man, I got to fly. Hey, you guys want to go to Disneyland? <laughs> Bye. <laughs> no, my- you're, you're, as they're driving away, you're, you're carrying a heli to the vehicle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So tell me this, though. You got to do a lot of flying. Did you actually just get to enjoy flying this week? Or were you I like, did. Test, no. no testing, no nothing like that? You know, I uh, uh, the, the last couple days I did, but it was very casual and it was quite fun. No, I came back. I love. Uh, did you like you like the hesitation in his voice there, Dan? I noticed it. He, well, you know, he was, he's kind of like an addict, where you're like, you know, you've you've uh, been doing pretty well, so you haven't you haven't touched the bottle lately, have you? Well, uh, um, <laughs> I well, I kind of I kind of may have put my lips to it, but uh, I spit it uh, out. I tasted yeah, I it. Did, yeah, yeah. I um, didn't inhale. Well, it was hard for me to. <laughs> It was hard for me to believe that I actually had to go through the days and go, wow, no, okay, I didn't that day. Wow, no, okay, I didn't. No, I came back very, very broken and bu- busted from the fun fly. Yeah. So when they took off uh, last weekend, I actually spent a day, did nothing, uh, did a little, some wrenching late Saturday night and Sunday morning and got the backup heli back going again, all de-burnt and de-crispified still smells like butt but you know whatever and then i just flew man I is that is every- that what butt smells like come on dude come on uh, apparently <laughs> not if you're questioning it i, I i'm just I'm, I'm i'm just learning from the pros man hey is that what don't, butt don't smells question like? me all right i won't yeah continue no, i flew every day after work i flew sunday and then every single day after work I will say that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday were all in the rain. Yeah? Light rain. So, wait a minute. You actually put on your big girl panties That's and went right. and flew in Oh, the rain. here we go. Here <laughs> we go. That's right. That is right. Ah, oh, man. You need yeah. to let Justin borrow those big girl panties. Yeah. They, you guys they are were- killing me here. I did, and put not just like a couple flights, and then went home. I 
I went and put about 10 flights every single day. And then one of those days I got a call. He's like, I'm going back, bitch. <laughs> that was, what was that, son? I don't remember the day, but I just remember you, you called me from the field. Oh, no, you called <laughs> yeah. me on the way to the field in the morning. Yeah, Sunday. And then and then later in the afternoon, you called me and you said, I'm going back, bitch. <laughs> That's all I said. <laughs> Gotta go. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going back. <laughs> yeah, I went flying twice. I was like, wait, well, I thought you didn't fly last weekend. You just relaxed. No, Saturday I didn't. Sunday I did. Nick calls me on Saturday. He was relaxing. I can vouch for that. Nick calls me on Saturday. I'm like, hey, dude, what's going on? And, you know, we always go back and forth on different topics. So I I just start into some heli-related topic. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, oh, this is what I think, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's 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 dealing with it. You can tell he's not really into the conversation. <laughs> and then there's a good break in the conversation. And he's like, uh, so, dude, um, actually, the reason I called you was I've got a question about Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, what what does it do if I make my character sleep? <laughs> yeah, I him. he did not see that one coming. Dude, it was great. Yeah. And now this has been the best vacation I've ever had. Nevertheless, <laughs> a staycation, a staycation, helication. Yeah, it was very good. So, no, I got. Lots of flying in, little bit of, I, I've been dabbling and trying a couple different things the last couple days with amazingly positive results. And and I'm just flying and having fun. Just just having fun. I'm a little jealous. Ooh, and you know what else? You should be jealous of this. Dude, finally, I have... You know when something really, really just clicks and, and then you never go back? Uh, I, sure. Uh, <laughs> Elaborate. <laughs> I, I've read about it. Um, no, I got that with inverted autos this week, which I know it's kind of weird because I'm always doing inverted autos, right? Mm -hmm. But this week, they've always been like better on a nitro. I could get a, you know, double pyro flipping one on the nitro and I could get it most of the time sometime on the electric but I was usually bouncing at the end of it a little bit hard you know because of the added weight of the model you know it's loaded a little bit heavier for the disc loading but I finally got it to where it all and it had been like that for you know the last year solid I just assumed well I just can auto a nitro better because of the disc loading uh-huh but it all clicked this week, which is cool. Because now I can get that, uh, like, just crazy scary head speed where you, like, duck when it comes in. Are you going to, is this like a state secret or can you share with us? Well, I can't really explain it. It's not a, it, it, it's not really like a, you know, oh, I just did this. It just, for some odd reason, it all kind of, the just the stick movements and everything all kind of clicked. Oh. Where I was finally to take that leap, that that final last leap that it takes to do just the crazy, crazy autos. Because a lot of guys, most people cheat. Yes. Oh, dude, that yes. frustrates and I hate that. me. Yeah, I hate that. That it's okay. It's not an auto. If you come up over, you go up, and then you come halfway back down, full collective under power, and hit throttle hold at like forty feet, fifty feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got ballistic crazy head speed and, and you can do, you know, 
freaking Pyro TikToks. That that's not an auto to me. Uh, but nope. I finally got it to where I can, you know, build that that good crazy head speed um, all the way, and it was just it was nice to finally have something click for once. Nothing's clicked in a long time, other than broken parts. <laughs> <laughs> Did tail gears click click boom? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm a little jealous. I I tried to fly this week. I mean, I was out there every day. I, for the first time in a, in, a, in a while, found myself saying, I am so done with Nitro. I have just had the shittiest three weeks with Nitro. It was your turn. <sighs> they for ju- the record. It, it's, well, you know. It sounds like an excuse to me, dude. Yeah, that's, it's, it's your turn from the thousands and thousands of gallons you burned exactly. through the summer. It, it, I the gotta nitro tell you, gods are finally saying, you know what, you're going to get yours, bitch. Look, yeah. it's not really an excuse because it didn't stop me from going out and trying to get these things flying. Let me just give you a quick rundown. So I had my 3DS, YS 3DS, and it just started running poorly. And I kept thinking, well, it's a, it's basically a new engine, right? But it's not a new engine. It's got a lot of gallons through it. <laughs> yeah. New engine, new like uh, as in you bought it maybe six months ago, but not new because you put like <laughs> 850 gallons through it. It just started. I, I, look, I've replayed. I've taken the clutch stack out of my nitros like six times in the last three weeks. I've, I just, I, there's just Metal grinding on metal, the bearings going out, motors not running well. Uh, so to kind of wait a minute, where's the metal grinding on the metal, dude? In the clutch stack, dude. I'm telling you, I got, I went to pull it. I was, I kept. You know, hearing you're this, supposed to put a liner in that shit, dude. It, you, you just shut up for a second. <laughs> <Justin> Gucci. <laughs> hey, I'm just dishing it back. <laughs> so look, all right. The thing isn't running well. It's getting hot. And I don't, I can't, you know, the tune, I hadn't done anything to the tune and it's starting to run real hot. So I start messing with the tune. I felt like I was chasing the tune. Then I start hearing this really awkward, loud noise. And I land it and I spin the main gear and I can hear this grinding sound. I take the main gear out. The hub's fine. I spin the clutch bell and, and it just sounds like scissors opening and closing. Oh, dude. So, of course, that one's I like, well, I'm done with this. Today, breaking in a new motor, having a hell of a time with it, and um, running it nice and rich, as we do. Starting to lean it in a little bit. And it's starting to get, it's got some power, as uh, YS will do, even at a fairly rich condition, you know. And um, I'm... About 10 feet, and I start doing uh, some, like, rainbows, like, nice big rainbows, uh, like, right off the ground. And I bring it back, inverted, hold it, and I went to push it fast. You know how you push it? And right when I did that, it goes... And so, not only was Uh I trying to push (laughs) it back forward, the motor quit, and I had all this collective, and so the blades just went, (laughs) yeah, we're done. And so it goes back to level, and I have zero head speed, and it just collapses. 
from about 10 feet and bust the blades. And, oh, uh, man. Had that going for me, which was nice. And um, so I just kind of gave up on the, the Cool Power 700s this week. There is one positive event that did happen this week. And Nick, you'll be very proud of me. I mucked out the trailer. Oh, oh did you ever? <laughs> those, those pictures were, I actually, I mean, I was concerned that I had got hit by a car and didn't remember and I was dead. <laughs> so Nick may have even shed a tear. I think he you. did. I think he did. He, he's like, he called me and says, man, I'm, I'm proud of you, dude. <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually used those words. I'm proud of you, Dan. <laughs> so I conned a, a 12-year-old cousin of mine uh, with a little bit of cash. And I said, hey, dude, I'm going to come pick you up, and you're going to come over, and um, you're going to help me for the day. We took everything out of that trailer. We set up the tables. We just put everything on the tables. I went through. I threw away a whole nine-yard dumpster full of shit. Nice. Lord. It was a little weird because I was throwing away good parts that haven't been used. Old fly-barred heads, you know, salvaging the fasteners, whatever I thought I could use. Maybe some thrust bearings, radial bearings, anything I thought I could use. But I was throwing away what, you know, three years ago was perfectly usable shit. And it was hard to do, but I did it. I threw away so much stuff. You're throwing away the past. Dang. Did you find any? Uh, did you find any like surprises? Any good stuff? Not, like, oh, dude, I didn't know I had one of those. Well, you know, unfortunately, I didn't find the V bar, which I could have swore was in there. I didn't find the Spartan gyro, which has, I thought was in there. But what I did find, <laughs> what I did find, was two full sets of Bergen frames. I had no idea they were in there. Wow. Yeah. So So nothing worth anything then. Nothing really, you know, nothing really worth anything unless you happen to own a Bergen and you need some frames, give me a call. I'll make you a hell of a deal on a set of frames for a Bergen, but I I don't know if that guy's a listener. I probably not. I'm guess, <laughs> the I'm one guessing. guy. Yeah, the one guy. Probably not. But anyway, so I got that going and it was uh it was a good experience and I kind of forgot how nice it was to sit out there and actually work on helis and have things easily found and tools readily available. And I did find all my tools. You, yeah, weird. you put a driver down and turn your head to go and find another tool, and when you turn back, that same driver is still there? It was still there, dude, because, because dude, to, to check this out. that would be awesome. No, check this out. The whole, Mine have legs. The whole bench... There was nothing on it. It was complete. I mean, I would set a tool down, and that was the only thing on it. It made it a lot easier to work on a heli. Yeah, so you know what I just recently did? I had three. I got three tables in my garage, all with heli stuff on them. And I figured, well, I could clean those, or I could go and buy a fourth table. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the cool thing. I went and bought a fourth table. (laughs) Here's the cool thing about this, though. Now it's Justin. Justin's the whipping boy. Well, keep in mind, you know, g- give me a month, a week. On another topic, you mean? Well, on the ta- on the on the the cleanliness of the work. And area. I'm okay with that. Like, <laughs> no big deal. You shouldn't be. 
Yeah, I, there. I like I said in text, dude. No shame. I'm perfectly fine with it. He rocks it proudly. Oh yeah. So. In fact, the more disgust you display, <laughs> the more motivated I am to find a way to continue disgusting you. Dude, last time I was down there though, we were sitting there and and you were talking to me and you set something down and you went over and you grabbed something else and you were like, God, this is just, I just freaking had this in my uh-huh. hand. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, yeah. All kidding aside, I am slowly going through and cleaning it up. Like I was saying, I, I mean, I'm just right now trying to sell crap that I don't need and then I'll actually try to find tools. <laughs> the catalyst for all of this for me was... Um, that day that I was having the problems and I was talking to Nick, I, that I was telling you guys about the grinding sound. I went home that night and I decided that I needed to, I wanted to be able to fly the next day. So I needed to go out to my trailer and work on this helicopter. And I sat in my little office chair there and I had like a two foot by two foot area <laughs> where I could, you know, maybe turn the chair like 20 degrees each way. And I just, I was there and I'm like, wait a minute, what I, the part I need or the tool I need is like all the way on the other side of the trailer and there's no way in hell I'm going to get to it. And I said, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. So the next morning I woke up and I said, this is going to change today. And it did. So it's nice. Wait a minute, dude, did, did you find uh, those mic stands and XLR cables we were missing at the last live show? <laughs> I, I did, but I didn't find them in the trailer. Ah, uh, the one, there was one cable. Yeah. And I don't know, whatever they're in the box now. So all's well that ends well. That's what I've been up to. So Dan, yes, so you, you cleaned out the trailer and you threw everything away, but did you organize it? I did. I, I actually, dude. Oh, dude, it looks good. Here's I've how I've seen it, but from what it I'm looks imagining, really good. Uh, containers full of every kind of screw and heli part, just all mixed together. Well, it, that still exists. I mean, I'm uh, not going to yeah. go through and like do what Nick does and categorize the screws by size. And you know, See, that's how I am. I've got my little tool bag, and in my tool bag, I've got parts bins, and every parts bin is for a particular helicopter. You got a parts bin for a goblin. You got a parts bin for a T Rex, and everything has to be in its place. How it's done. Oh, my oh, yeah. God, you guys. That's ridiculous. So, no, well. It's not ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's too much. Look, here's what I did. I literally took like a five-gallon Tupperware, like, I don't know if it's Tupperware. It's those plastic bins that you buy at Costco or wherever. Probably bigger than that, actually. Anyway, it's like a big clothes hamper, essentially, except solid <laughs> sides. I literally just took, I didn't go through anything in the trailer. I just put everything in that box, and I took it outside. And I went through that shit one at a time. Now, what I did do was I straightened all, I took all the crap out of the drawers that I had and I took those, I took like servo cases and I put screw, you know, all various size screws in one and I set it in there nicely. So they're all like organized in these little, they're not organized by size, but they're in there and they're, they got a place. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We'll take it. But it was, it, it was, um, Better than handing someone a five-gallon bucket and being like, "If you can find it, you can have it." <laughs> that was my oh, dude. <laughs> that was kind of my thing at every fun fly I go to. They're like, "So Dan, do you have?" And I just stop them in the tracks and I say, "The trailer's over there, and if you can find it, you can have it." <laughs> because I, I know I have one in there, 
I just couldn't begin to tell you where it's at. That's kind of changed. But I did find the one thing that was a little disappointing is uh, I was working on a 600 and um, went to needed a uh, essentially a puller, like a Pittman puller to pull the hub off. And I actually had made a tool for that. And I was going through it and I remember holding it going, yeah, I'm never going to need this again. Threw it away. So I had, I had to go to a friend's house and use his little puller to get that hub off. But it is what it is. And I got it done. So it's nice. Nice and clean. I am proud. I drove it to the field and I, Ed is such a bastard. And if you're listening, you're, you're a bastard. <laughs> I went. And he was today. It's the first time I'd seen Ed in a while. Well, at least since I cleaned the trailer. And I, I went early. I got to the field at like 8 o'clock this morning because I knew I had a little bit of work on the 700. And I wanted to get that done before everybody showed up. And Ed shows. And he comes sauntering over to the trailer like Ed does. And he doesn't say a, a goddamn thing. And and every time I see him, he's like, oh, Jesus, trailer. I just don't know how you do it. And I looked at him and I said, you're not going to say anything? And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, it looks good. I'm like, you bastard. That's all you got, huh? <laughs> what a dick. But anyway, trailer's clean. Proud. Good I'm for pr- you, I'm, dude. I'm very, from the bottom of my heart, I'm very proud of you. I feel like you grew. <laughs> I baby steps. <laughs> in, a, in, in a good way. Oh, dude, I even put up like... um I even put up like some banners, like some Morgan Fuel banners and shit, like like permanently attached them to the walls and stuff. Nice decorating. I did, and part of the, another motivation for it was I had mentioned a few episodes ago I'm going to be doing some uh, heli clinics with the local hobby shop. <laughs> I didn't want to go up there with that trailer looking like that and trying to convince these people that I'm going to help them learn how to fly helicopters. <laughs> and so that was kind of another thing. I'm like, well, this will be good because, you know, I'll have the Morgan fuel banners up and it'll look nice and the helis will be organized and I'll be able to find shit. And so anyway, I'm doing that. If you, if you happen to be in this area, in this region, and I know there's a few listeners in the Missoula area, uh, on the 20th of July, we're going to be doing the intro to RC helicopter clinic at the hobby town, USA and do some demos, do some buddy boxing, and let people do some flying. You going to get that on video for us, Dan? How many times I got to tell you videos for pretty people? Oh, come on. <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. If Ed wants to video it, maybe I'll let him. But I, 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 we've gone on long enough. I think maybe it's time we go into some more. Dan, I heard that HeliPros is moving, man. You know what, Justin? They did move. And our friends over at HeliPros wanted us to extend a thank you to all of their loyal customers for being patient with this move. That's right. And guys, don't worry. It's almost over. They should be open for business in July. So go to www.helipros.com. And remember, guys, fly hard. HeliPros has the parts. Alrighty, guys, this week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got for news, Nick? All right, so Team Synergy member Chris Sexton um, kind of did this real nice overview video of the Synergy 
E7SE edition. Uh, we had talked about it. Justin hated on it. I did not. Need I did not it. hate on it. <laughs> <laughs> I complimented the canopy. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, so he goes over the, the features of it. I mean, he's actually got, you know, the frame set there and the heli there. So if you were kind of considering that one, um, then definitely. I think you should watch the video. It looks like it was done quite well. Links are back at it. And, oh, man, once again, this just, God, this schlode. There we go. Schlode. Thank you. Of upgrades. Good choice of words. <laughs> just for you. Um, of upgrade parts out there. Pretty much you can build like your own Lynx Edition MCP Expressless. Carbon main shafts, titanium main shafts, swash plates in every color, flavor, chocolate, vanilla. I mean, they've got tail blades, DFC, main grips. Uh, yeah, the list. I'm, I'm still up. scrolling through it. Like I know. it's it's huge, dude. It is. It's it's massive. Um, they've got like this uh, a Red Devil tail case set for the 130. So it comes with like the tail case. Uh, tail hub, grips, slider, shaft, vertical fin. It, it's like everything yep. that you need. Uh, they also actually have a DFC, an ultra DFC conversion set for the Goblin 500. Uh, some replacement parts for that. Tail bill crank set um, for the Goblin 500 on the tail. I mean, geez, the list goes on. More 130 stuff. Um, some tailcase uppers. Uh, upper sections for the Goblin 500, 700. And then probably one of the the cooler ones that I see is they have a, a new main gear uh, set for the Goblin 500. I mean, looks really, really clean. Uh, you know, just looks like a real nice setup. Spare gears for that. They've got a new motor mount for the Goblin 500 with cooling fins on it. Dude, I, my finger's getting tired from scrolling. Seriously. Um, yeah. So if you've got one of those MCP Express 130, Goblin 500, and you're looking for some upgrades, do yourself a favor, go over to their website and check it out so that I don't have to quit or I can quit individually listing all the parts. And then do me a favor. Once you do go and you outfit your MCPX with all that bling, send a picture to me. And and let me mock you endlessly. Drive for sinking so much for money into so much money into an, an MCPX. MCPX. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's another story, though. That one's just for you, Fred. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is cool. Uh, I, I think this is just awesome. Uh, Heli Masters, 2013, coming up. They're actually going to be doing it. Uh, do a live broadcast nice yeah which is really really cool um rc what is it rc median i do believe is going to be behind it um nick johnson and burt camera are going to be doing commentary on it uh i mean this is this is a first fully live interactive stream providing like up to the minute information straight to your computer i mean dude i I am actually really, really excited for this because I'm stoked for Heli Masters. I, I mean, 
I love watching competitions and I hate sitting back and, and waiting for the videos to roll in sporadically, you know, that someone took on their crappy camera. Or, and I just think it's really cool that they're doing this and it looks like they're doing it right. They've got a picture up here of their equipment. As we know, equipment goes, they're not messing around. Yes. Oh yeah. Gotta say I'm a little jealous of the equipment setup. It, it looks um, like it looks like a gamer's wet dream. It, 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 it really yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right. So Justin. Yes. Th this is right up your alley. Let's do it. All right. You know that stingray that you've been wanting? Oh <laughs> dude, you're are you kidding me? It is time. The time has come. For oh, the stingray, oh my take God. over the world. It's it's here. You can pre-order uh, officially I, for the low, introductory, heart-throbbing, bonifying price of seven ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, dude, dude, I I don't even know what to say. I honestly don't know what to say. Say. Good lord, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but I, I mean, it is it, it is being released. It, that, it is a reality. It is a real. This is actually going to happen. Yeah. Is it going to tank? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say. Yeah. Let's let's keep in mind. That our good buddy Curtis is doing this, and we Absolutely. respect the Godfather of yes. 3D, yeah, yeah, yeah. Curtis Youngblood, the Curtis Youngblood. But I did see something that I think would be entertaining for an hour or two. Okay, remember compliment sandwich. Mm -hmm. This is a open, open face sandwich. <laughs> there's there's no top bread on this. We'll, we'll put you, lots you of gravy on it. You can't see the bread, dude. <laughs> we'll put lots of gravy on it. You can't see is, the bread. There, there is bread in there. And the um, gravy stinks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's diet gravy. <laughs> Fat-free gravy. Fat-free diet gravy. <laughs> like some Marie Callender bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Weight Watchers. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Um, I see that what they're doing with these is pylon racing, but they're pylon racing FPV style. Yeah, so that, actually, that is really pretty cool. That could be cool. I mean, I would love to sit up there, all, all of us lined up in a chair, and then putting all these things up into a hover with all of the goggles on and then pylon racing. It would be really awesome until you had to fix it and then you realized that you just spent money on a quad again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Well, what I want to know is, like, what's under the hood, dude? Because 800 bucks for that thing, that is blowing my mind. Well, there's four... Uh, dude, it takes four servos there's four servos on this thing to make a collective pick i know but let me put this into perspective for you justin you might appreciate this analogy back when metallica was in their heyday master of puppets right yes they go from master of puppets and do a country album yep that's kind of what this feels like to I, me. I i agree with you 
I agree with you. I just, you know, it's what? one of those things where like, yeah, you can do it. But should but you? Should you have? <laughs> and if you if if you're gonna go there, I mean, let's okay, maybe I don't know. Choose a more appealing shape. What do you mean, dude? That right there. You know what that exactly reminds me of? A flying dick? No. (laughs) No, that is not. Hang on a sec. Let's see. Curtis Youngblood, scratch him off as a never appearing on the show. Yep, he'll he'll never do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what this the the canopy looks like. I have Pinewood Derby cars that look like that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, that's fair. It does. It looks like a flying pine with derby. Color. Yeah, it, it looks like a. It looks like a um, kind of like an eight scale truggy with Prop. props on it. Yeah. Oh well, a really skinny Dude, long our- one. <laughs> Chris, do you like quads? Are you a quad guy? Quads? No. Good man. No. You're redeeming yourself. I like that. They have a place. Uh, it's just. Not upside down. I, mean, I, I appreciate them. I, I see the guys flying them with the uh, the cameras and filming the events. And a friend of mine, he flies uh, he flies a quad and does uh, professional videography. And I mean, the, the stuff he does is amazing. It's you know Hollywood quality film, but for a hobby and to fly it for fun, eh, eh, eh. eh. I agree with you. Okay, send the hate mail to, to the Nick. News. By the way, he's the one that prompted me to say all that stuff. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I after all, that's it. that's what we wrote up in the script. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm just reading dude, it like I said. I'm, it. <laughs> I'm just reading it off the off the paper. Yeah. I never saw any references to flying genitalia in there. <laughs> uh, you know what, dude? I think that was a last minute edit. Oh, and I don't oh. know which one of you. I mean, maybe Jesse did that. Yeah, that was it. Uh-huh. Yeah, send yeah. the hate mail so, to Jesse. Okay. He's not even here. Say, so send I, the hate mail to Jesse. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> Edge? Sorry, or- Curtis. We still love you, dude. Yeah. Uh, Edge Rotorblades would like to welcome a new team pilot. You ready? I'm not. I, I, so we're gonna we're gonna try this. All right. Saccharin. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> Saccharin. <laughs> Kong Thong. So, Kong Thong. Thailand. What? <laughs> Kong Thong. Saccharin. Saccharin? Saccharin Kong Thong. Isn't that a sweetener that causes cancer? It is an artificial sweetener. <laughs> and you are an insensitive bastard. <laughs> I don't know. I just. So anyway, welcome. <laughs> I just had to do that because I, I really kind of wanted to butcher his name, to be honest. Oh, geez. Oh, okay. I've got a cool one. This is, this is legit. But hold like, on, dude. The... Hold on. Hold on. How old is the kid? I don't know. Not very. Eight. Eight? He's eight. <sighs> I've got issue with that. Go watch him fly. I don't care, dude. Look. Look. You do care. I don't care. You, you care. You care to the to the core of your soul. Let me tell you why I don't care. Because look, I saw on Facebook that and I don't know, Nick, if you were gonna bring this up, TSA brought on a full pack full factory sponsored pilot. They just announced it on Facebook. Don't remember the kid's name, but he's eight years old as well. Let me ask you a question. How can an eight-year-old pick a machine and say, 
this, how does he have the ability to say, oh yeah, this is the machine? And how, how does he represent a, a company? How does an eight-year-old do that? Who makes that decision? I don't even see how. I think it's to the highest bidder and the parent I, makes that decision. Yeah, absolutely. Highest bidder. And I mean, I, I just, I cannot see giving a full ride sponsorship, you know, like, I don't know, for a kid that, I mean, just learned how to tie shoes. What do you think about it, that, like, Chris? What do you think about that? These young kids? I, I, I've seen some kids down here in Florida that, that can fly like, like yeah, mad. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't doubt. fly me, but can they be a, exactly. a spokesperson? Exactly. That's can they be an effective yeah. PR. Do they even know how to on. tune their own helicopter? Hold on. Hold on. Okay, this is this is perfect. I'm glad we're going here because this is a good conversation. Uh, there are two types of people in the hobby when it comes to representing a company, right? There are the reps or the team pilots that are actually technically competent, capable of explaining stuff, um, have enough of a personality to engage a would-be consumer and maybe even convince them to try their product. And then they're the ones that can beat the crap out of that thing. And that's what we call pieces of ass. And what does a piece of ass do? It stands up there and looks really nice. You are a pedophile. Yeah, I was going to say, you need to change your words of <laughs> reference if we're going to talk about an eight-year-old boy. I, I backed away from the eight-year-old here, and I'm just okay. talking in general. Okay, I got you. I don't know, guys. It just seems... It just seems a little weird to me, and maybe you know, maybe maybe I'm just jealous. <laughs> Truthfully, to me, they all blend together. Like it, it's is it, it it's. Oh, now which eight year old was that? That's true. They're, they just never become like names to me. They're just factory. They're kids. just eight year olds. Yeah, they're just eight year olds. Yeah, because they, I mean, truthfully, they really are. I'm not, obviously, they're individual people and they have feelings and all that good stuff. And you Yeah, know, until your eight-year-old is out there throwing down, dude. <laughs> yeah, and then it'll be like, yo, yo, what's up with this? <laughs> but would you, yeah. would you allow that, Nick? Which, if you, would you make that decision for your kid? Would you put that responsibility on your kid at eight years old? Absolutely not. That just doesn't feel right. No, to me. no, no, it, dude. It, it's like the freaking honey boo boo of the helicopter exactly. world. <laughs> oh. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's rough. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know. No, absolutely. If my want, if my kid wanted to fly, you betcha. If he wanted to fly every weekend, you betcha. If he was good enough, and he showed the interest on his own, and. and he practiced and he wanted to compete. I I am not going to deny him the opportunity to compete because I think competitive nature is awesome. But I'm not going to walk out of there. I'd rather it come out of I'd rather it come out of our pocket and have people know that it was like the real deal. You know, exactly, exactly. But we digress. Yes. Okay. So real news, Katie. Now this is cool because I I've experienced this so i know kde has a new fly barless system mount upgrade now what they've done is they basically took um like an aluminum tray and they machined in i, I can't remember if it's abs it's abs yes, abs they machined in an abs insert into that mostly because i was pitching patrick a bunch of crap about mounting a fly barless system on aluminum 
So they put this ABS insert in there, and this mounts in between the frames on the T-Rex uh, electric models. So like the 700, the 800, and the 700 DFC. So it goes actually back behind the receiver tray, down in the frame, so it protects the fly barless system. The awesome part for like the DFC is, anyone that has these know, you cannot get a large ESC on that hel helicopter cleanly because they, they left you no room to mount it. You have the battery on the bottom of the tray, you have a small area on the top, but then you have the mount for the fly barless system. So what you can actually do is just cut that entire mount off of the plastic tray now. Mm -hmm. Just make it all flat, and then you can mount your your YG-160, your Cosmic, your Castle 160, whatever you want, right on the top, nice and clean. And then your sensor for your fly barless system drops down back behind in the frame where it's all safe. Really sweet deal. I think this was um, one of those, you know, he saw a need and, and filled that need because I've seen numerous people with, you know, ESCs mounted up there, down hanging off the nose, and they're cutting holes in the canopy to get it to clear and all this. And, and so I think it's a, it's a really cool upgrade. What about accessibility to the Flowerless unit? You know, that was one thing. I actually, I actually sent an email this week asking about that. Um, I think it's really going to depend on the unit itself. You know, a lot, uh, obviously, separate sensor. So, like, Spartan... CGY 750, full-size V-Bar, that's, that's like perfect world. Uh, I think depending on where the access port is for the programming device that you're going to use will depend on if it's going to work for an all-in-one unit. Yeah, I was like going to say, that's going to play the biggest role. Yeah, yeah, like, like the heli command would be no problem because you drop down from the top. Absolutely. Um, Easy to do. Yeah, all the wires, if all the wires come in one side of the unit, I don't think that it'll be a problem. We're still kind of up in the air on if it would work if you have like the Skookum, like wires in one side and then USB in the other. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, we're just going to see. I'm actually going to put my eyes on one here coming up. We've got an event um, where I will uh, get to see one, you know, personally and put it in my hands. And I might even bolt one in my heli just to see and find out because I really like the idea. Mm -hmm. I'm Jones and... Uh, to get that new Scorpion 160 and just cut the top of that tray right off and mount that sucker up there all nice and clean and then, you know, drop my fly barless system down in there. But I got to still be able to get to it to program it easily. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. That's kind of up in the air. And, oh, my God, here's another myth that has now become real. The Turek 91. Do you remember that motor I that do. Yes. Thought that just he had? Yeah. See, it, it, they they called it the Turek edition, but I thought that it was Turek's edition. <laughs> um, it's out. You can actually buy. It. I mean, it's got it. It's the whole deal. Like it, it's the real deal. What's the it, price, it dude? Um, you know. All right. So it looks like they brought the price in at well, I mean, it's got it for four twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. No. That's pretty good, man. I'm I'm hoping, well, <laughs> I never wish for nitro problems because they come whether you want them or not, as Dan knows. Yes. But at the first hint of a problem, 
for a motor rebuild time, uh, I think I'm I'm probably going to just go ahead and, and pick one of these up, and then I'll rebuild mine and keep it for a spare. Because I, I really want, I want to find out. I love the YS motors. I love the power delivery on them. I've heard, like, all the guys that had 120s that were, are on the YS team that tested these, uh, Leon Luke, just, yeah, lots of guys, they, they, they're not putting their 120s back in because it's supposedly supposed to be 91 reliability with darn near 120 power. That's awesome. Sweet, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I've got for news. I got some news. No. Yeah. The test results are in? They are. And? It's contagious. Oh, shit. And you've got it. I know. <laughs> I, I figured. A little bit of gasser news. Mm-hmm. Helibug has uh, these are the guys that do the heli bug conversions for the t-rex series of helis mm-hmm. have come out with a power bug alternator for the zenoa rc format gas engines so the, the basically the 23 to 30 cc rc format engines which are the ones that what you use in the the heli bug or the whiplash and what this basically is is it's an onboard power generator that instead of being attached to it instead of using a small electric motor, like maybe other people are familiar with uh, for onboard generators, this actually uses a uh, magnetic pickup coil that bolts in place on the RC motor ignition system. And so as the flywheel spins around and the magnets in the flywheel pass this, it produces a DC voltage that can then be used to charge batteries. Ah. It's super lightweight super super uh, low form factor so it's not it's not a big chunk of something hanging off of your heli which is really nice and actually credit for this design goes to carrie shirley from gas powered thoughts apparently carrie has been a pain in the butt to heli bug and saying get me an onboard alternator and generator and and here it is very nice. So like that this one's pretty interesting. I am. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can get a hold of one of these to give it a try. Okay. Next news is DJI. Everyone knows them, right? Dan, I know you don't give a crap, but I'm going to keep talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a multi rotor thing, right? The NASA. Everyone knows the NASA M, which is a multi rotor flight controller. The version one has been the one that everyone has been using for the last couple of years. It's the red and white box. They've now upgraded to a version two. It's orange and black so that you can tell for those of you guys who want to go out and give this a try. It's got the same sort of setup as the NASA M version one, except it adds a couple of really cool features. It's got much more accurate GPS. Uh, They actually have a video of the altitude hold on the V2 versus the V1. And the thing holds so much more rock solid. It's amazing. They also have an independent power management unit, which is basically a BEC that will support gimbal power. It's also going to have an upcoming Bluetooth module so that you can adjust your parameters of the flight controller unit in a, like on a mobile phone app. 
and it allows for support of a number of additional multi-rotor configurations. It's supposed to fly a lot better, fly a lot more stably, and really go a long way towards bringing amateurs into the realm of uh, of professional level of aerial photography and video, if that's something that you want to do. Is that Check all you got? That's what I got. Uh, I got, I, it's a little humorous and it's not really news. I saw something today on Facebook that I want to talk about for just a second. It's not really news, but maybe we can throw it in with the news. Uh, Nick, you talked last week about uh, the whole castle recall thing. Mm-hmm. Did you notice on Facebook today that, that their computers and phone systems are down? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love it. Uh, anyway, I figured I'd bring that up. A fire under the IT. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Castle. I'm kidding. Poor Castle. Poor Castle. How about you, Chris? You got any news you want to share with us? Uh, I got something. I don't know if this is news. Maybe not to you guys, but it's news to me. You're familiar with a company called Hobby King. Yeah. Did you know they have a fly barless system, a three-axis fly barless? Is that that, that food bar one? That's it. Bar. Well, they, well, they announced they reduced the price to $45.20. When I saw that name, that just, did that you order, just killed me. Did you order one? No. Come on, dude. Order one. Let us know. Let us know what it's all about. <laughs> Who came up with that name? Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll learn that one of these days. <laughs> I, I would love to know. <laughs> but they do I realize what FUBAR means. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> They've got a good sense of humor. Go ahead and humor. tell us. Go ahead and tell us what it means. <laughs> I mean, food wait, food wait, 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 wait. <laughs> We've already gone downhill bad enough. I, without Jesse's moral compass, this is going downhill fast. Yeah, I know. I noticed about the, the mini foobar deal. They call it a mini foobar, yeah, too. mini foobar. It, right here. This is my favorite part. Doesn't come in a fancy box or even include a user manual. But it's easy enough to find the info you need to set it up and use. (laughs) The the PC software is widely available online and easy to use. (laughs) I mean, all they're missing is just go ahead and head over to (laughs) M-I-K-A-D-O. Exactly. Well, I guess that's it for news. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Alrighty, we guys. Should, we should do a show one of these hours. <laughs> we should. We should try. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news. I've been thinking about getting an electric, guys, and I got to tell you, I am getting a little tired listening to Nick and Jesse go on about their awesome charging cases. Justin, I'm thinking about getting myself a cage threat, man. What do you think about that? Dan, seriously, that is the last charger you will ever need. I mean, we're talking 2,000 watts of power out of a Meanwell power supply that goes into the iCharger 4010 Duo, and the screen is even detachable. So I suggest that you head over to ProgressiveRC.com and get one today, dude. So Chris, you still with us, man? Yeah, I'm here. Let's talk about that charging case that you built because you put the some good, case. you put some uh, Facebook pictures up and and yeah and let me share a little inside story with you. The, th- the four of us were, were, were on Skype one night. I was all excited about something my dog had done, and I was trying to tell these guys. And and Justin 
and Jesse were like having this, like they needed a room. They were so excited. <laughs> they were like, it was like this, like this bromance evolving into, you know, what is illegal in several states thing <laughs> happening. And Nick was like, you guys need a room? Didn't you hear Dan? He just said his something. I don't know. I don't remember what my dog did, but he's cute as hell. So everything he does is awesome. And so the, anyway, the point of that is. Dude, it was Chris's fault. I mean, we were, we were <laughs> doing do? what, what was natural. So tell us about your case. First of all, it looks amazing. Give us, tell us about the Thank components. You. What do you got in there? Well, it's a uh, iCharger 4010 Duo. I got it from Progressive RC. Uh, we got a uh, e-fuel power supply. It's a 1,200-watt, 60-amp uh, power supply. And uh, we got a couple parallel charging boards in there from Progressive. And, uh, and a, just an ABS plastic case, a waterproof case that I put it all into. You you actually have you have access to machines to cut all this stuff out. I mean, you, yeah, the, the company that I manage, we have a sister company that builds uh, high performance uh, cars. They do uh, show cars and they do hot rods and they have a lot of machinery over there, CNC machining table and a number of other things. So a good friend of mine who manages that company runs the CNC machining table. So you know, I went ahead. I wanted to build a charging case for a long time because I was I didn't even have the cardboard box. I just hauled everything in the back of my truck. Yeah. The cardboard box was high end for me at the time. So everything just loaded into the back of the truck, banging around. When I would get to the flying field, I would pretty much just pull everything out one at a time, go under my hood, hook up the alligator clips, start the motor on my car. Yeah, just nothing fancy at all, but it, it got the job done. But I kind of got the bug. I, I, one day I went out and I decided to go ahead and get a good power supply. Yeah, that way I could charge a little bit quicker at home. I got the power supply. Then I thought, well, if I got a good power supply, it'd be nice to use this at the field. So I got, you know, I got the Honda generator. That that, that worked out real nice. Eventually, the uh, the whole setup and takedown was just getting to be a bit of a pain. So I figured, oh, I'll go out and build myself a charging case. So I looked at all the pictures out there and yeah, saw some nice cases and some good chargers. But I kind of wanted to do it like we build our cars. Like we do the trim panels and we do the plexi windows and we do the lighting mm-hmm. inside. So that was that was kind of the inspiration. And Dude, it is about the greatest charging case I have ever seen. It's oh, amazing. Man, thank you. Thank you. I'm not even going to say about. It's that. Yeah, is that it is. It's it that is. good, huh? It is it's the, the bee's greatest. Knees, man. It's the bee's knees. The bee's knees. Like <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, when I when I get into something, I usually kind of obsess over it for weeks and weeks at a time. So I, yeah, I had this idea in my head and. I got out the CAD program and I started getting some, uh, downloading some images of the charging case. And I started laying things out in CAD, measuring them with the calipers and drawing them up and putting, kind of moving things around, seeing how they'd fit. And finally came up with a design that I liked and uh, went ahead and ran with it. Give us a ballpark. What do you got into that charging case? How much oh. did that thing run you? Oh, man. Is that, is that just a figure that you just don't even want to have to remember? <laughs> Uh, God, I'd have to add it up. Uh, let's see, we got a couple hundred into the Look case. at him acting like he hasn't done that already in this month. <laughs> I Oops. would say all in all, probably close to a thousand bucks with everything included. <sighs> Is it worth it, guys, to have a charging case like that? Nick? Justin? Uh, yes, my, I think nowhere, so. Mine's not quite on that caliber. I mean, it does the do- job just fine, but oh, worth every every penny. I'm oh. actually in the process of, you know, making sort of the final choices on what will be an actual charging case for me. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? You need to back that up. 
I'll I'll give you a Justin translation. <laughs> Justin is not in the process of making a final decision. Justin is in the process of continuing to bitch and complain <laughs> to Nick about how it is unacceptable that he cannot charge as fast as me and Jesse can, and that it is also unacceptable that he's going to spend a thousand dollars to do it. Um, and there's going to be. There's really no decision in the near future. <laughs> no, dude. Okay, you are absolutely correct. I have called Nick probably <laughs> three separate times in the last month and said, damn it, I think it sucks that it takes me 20 to 25 minutes to charge my packs, and you're going back to back with 10 or 12 minutes in between. WTF. And he said, dude, you've got a shitty charging system. <laughs> okay, Why it's don't- simple. Yeah. Why don't you just go and drop the money? And I'm I'm I am slowly warming up to it. I think that's actually going to happen in like a year or two. No. Yeah. No. 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 You just wait. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will. Oh, I know you <laughs> will, <laughs> dude. And in the meantime, you'll be using Nick shit at every fun yeah, play you go yeah. to. No, I'll charge I, up 346 packs in that amount of time. <laughs> that, and that's what that's what aggravated me to the point of deciding that I need to do something. Because seriously, I mean, you guys, what what do you do? You got you've got you said 12 minute charge times. You don't charge in parallel, right, Nick? Jesse charges parallel. It just depends. It totally depends what I'm flying, what kind of mood that I'm in. I have the option to do either because I have two 306s. So, um, so yeah, you have to be clear, you have the option of charging fast or faster as compared to my charge setup. And yeah, that's what aggravates me. Busted or painful. So I, when two. I went out to the field last week, remember I said on the last show, it was great. I, I lost count of how many flights I got in and mm-hmm. I was there for, uh, you know, several hours. Yeah, I was there for several hours because <laughs> I got to wait 25 freaking minutes to charge a set of. 5,000 milliamp packs. 12, and that's balance charging. 12 with balance charging. I'm I, I'm clearly missing out. I'm like three years ago. Yes. I need to be now. Chris, tell him. It's where it's at. Oh, but it, just, just the fact that you can show up and plug one thing in, flip open a lid, and you're ready to go. There's no there's no setting up your charger and clamping mm-hmm. it to your car battery. I mean, and then with the parallel boards, I just throw the 12S battery on one side, put a couple 6S batteries on the other side, and I can fly while those three are charging. 20 minutes later, I got charged packs. All, but, all three of those. Will charge but okay, here, so here's my question for you, Chris, now that we've got you here. You yeah. decided to only go with 1,200 watts, dude. You've got like a 1.21 gigawatt charger in that thing, <laughs> and you're only rocking 1,200. What's up? Well, I had bought the charger back when I had a Thunder Power 800 watt uh, charger. I mean, I bought the power supply back when mm-hmm. I had a tw- uh, 800 watt Thunder Power charger, and at the time, that was way more power than I needed. And right. It, it, I, I ended up using it with with this one, and I, I don't usually charge the packs much above maybe two and a half C. So I, I, I usually don't want to push them too hard, you know, charging them too fast. So I just I just went ahead and stayed with the twelve hundred watt charger. Nick okay. char- Nick Power charges supply. at fifteen C. <laughs> I charge it fast. Yeah. What, what what is a safe C rating? Would you say to charge? It all depends on the batteries. Yeah, like it's it's I go by the batteries. Uh, you know I'm. 
obviously I fly all Gen Zs. I charge at five C every C. single time. Oh, wow. No, no matter what, I cram them full. I don't even let them cool down. Yeah, neither I'm do I. Mean and dirty to my packs. I do not. Does Jesse do, do the same? Um, no. Yeah. Does he charge? No. He doesn't charge at five C. He parallel well, no. charges at thirty amps, so he's he charging parallel. at three C. Yeah, he but charged. he's still getting done in like you know twenty minutes max. Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay, there 18. you go, and that's balance 18. charge, I think. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. Eighteen and balance charge, or twelve and or twelve and separate. It, it just depends. Like if I'm actually going to stop and take a break, like you know, if I see someone pull up or I start BSing and I have a set of packs to throw on, I'll throw them on in parallel, so that. You know, if in the meantime I'm they're stock they're talking to me or whatever, it just works out a little bit easier that way. But if I'm trying to go back to back to back to back, I I will generally put one pack on each charger and charge them at the full five C. Nice. So Chris, okay, how I, I I gotta bring it back here for a second though, because we've got an important question to ask. Chris, yes. be honest, dude. How awesome is that freaking color screen? Oh, it's it's really really nice. When, you know, when I bought it, I wasn't sure if I'd be able to to see it outdoors. That was my biggest concern. But I, I went ahead and bought it. I brought it out to the flying field, and I could see it no problem outside. And and it's 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 definitely a screen for uh, OCD because it tells you every every oh, yeah? cell. It tells you down to the thousands, uh, yeah, the thousands of a uh, of a volt. You know, it just gives you so much information. It's it's just way way. I mean, very cool, very cool. All on the same, like, so it shows voltage, yeah. amperage, and individual cell voltage? Yeah, it, it shows you the, the voltage, the individual cell voltage. It'll tell you the maximum variance between cell voltages so you can get an idea how balanced the pack is. It tells you, there's stuff on there I haven't even figured out what it means. All on yet. One and screen? that's without flipping between screens? Right, simultaneously. Oh, screen. dude. The one side's blue, one side's green, so you don't forget which, you know, it's, it's really, really well thought out. Wow. I, yeah, I was yeah. impressed. So I know Jesse has a question because I heard him ask this question when they were looking and drilling over your pictures of your case. Does that screen, did you have to modify that or does it come with a ribbon so you can hold the screen separate or take it off of the charger like you did on your charging case? No, I actually, mine is actually attached, but I, I flushed the charger in so that the charger actually oh, sits totally right. flush with the top of the, uh, yep. the okay. PVC well, go, panel. Go tear but, it apart and try and take the screen off. You know, I actually thought about that and I looked and there is a way, I don't know the part numbers, but there is a charging cable that I've seen through Progressive RC that, uh, not a charging cable, but an extension cable for yeah. the screen. So you could detach it. I have. Yeah, Dave sells that. a ribbon cable to yeah, do that, yeah. I think. It doesn't look very hard to take it off. It looks like it's just a matter of kind of popping it out on one side and, and removing it. I haven't tried it, but it doesn't look too difficult. Dude, Justin, it's okay. PRC Signature Series, they they even named it. The Caged, the caged Threat. threat. <laughs> Two, <laughs> yep. 2,000 watts with the screen up in the lid, all flat surface there, 1,000 bucks. Yep. I know. Make it make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen, dude. When? Uh <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here. Yeah. I will make it happen. When? 
I, <laughs> don't tell me you're going to make it happen again. Tell me when. I'm just, you're just going to have to wait, dude, and see. I mean, it, you it could, could be save tomorrow. a couple bucks and go like my setups on here. You know, the one that I have pretty much. That uh, the Hardline Pro Solution. Yeah, Pro Solution. Well, okay, while we're on the topic, then you should know that the thing that I'm considering is going with basically all the guts of the Hardline, uh, or not the Hardline, the, the Cage Threat, so the iCharger 4010 and the Meanwell uh, 2048 volt, but uh, um, cardboard sort box. of not a cardboard box, <laughs> adapting it into my new field box that you guys have seen. Oh. Which, and dude... Honestly, that's a that's that's a doable option. That yeah, field box like, is pretty freaking cool. How much is that? Uh, it's like seven hundred and fifty bucks for that for what I just described. And now, yeah, but okay, then I'd have, have to build it. Yeah, but the box I've already got it set up because I've got my charging system in there right now. Yeah, but it just wouldn't be as cool. You're right. You're right. I mean, the impact of just like tossing down one of those bright yellow cases and opening it up and the screen right. sitting up there. Like, bam. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had the talk about all kinds of nice flashy lights. We like those. Yeah. Color that, screen. That really don't do anything. They're just flashy lights. Yep. You know, guys, one of the best things about being in our position is the ability to give back to our listeners. And lucky for us, Gen's Ace Batteries shares the same ideas. Just for you, they're offering a 10% discount code on all their batteries. That's right, guys. So head over to www.hobbyparts.com, enter in the code RCHN10 at checkout to get that 10% discount on your next order. This actually is a great segue into kind of what we want to talk about uh, this week. Um, you know, Justin mentioned that he his charging solution at this point is three years ago, and he needs to jump to today. And when we are, you know, when we talk about helis, sometimes we take for granted or we kind of forget the rapid evolution of our hobby because it just, things change so quickly. There are things that that we are used to doing or have done in the past that just aren't relevant anymore. So we're going to talk about a few of those things to kind of, for newer guys in the hobby, they can, you know, it's like when you sit around and listen to the old guys talk about how they walked uphill to school in snow both ways. Yep. So we can bitch a little bit about what those things that we used to have to do uh, compared to uh, what, what's being done today. Uh, we've got several things on the list. First of all, we're going to kind of go over setup. And I don't even really know, uh, you know, setup in particular, mechanical setups of the helicopters. You know, a lot of the, you know, it used to be the thing, the bell cranks, you know, the uh, the push-pull systems, those are kind of going by the wayside. It used to be pretty much every helicopter had a push-pull system. And now you're seeing most every manufacturer go to direct-to-swash. There's still some old yeah, school ones. There are there. some. There, there are, are some. some. But you're but, right. In the last two years, direct to swash has just taken the industry by storm. All right. So yeah. let's talk about the push pull system first, because that's the that's the older version. And when I started, that's what every helicopter had. I remember dealing with that 
when I was first learning how to build helicopters and just thinking, oh my God, look at all these links. This is, it's going to be impossible for me to get this done right. Are there mechanical advantages to a push-pull, Justin? Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, the the biggest, well, uh, okay. Mechanical uh, advantage. Yeah, <laughs> mechanical advantage is one. But, but really, in my mind, the biggest benefit to push-pull is the way that it distributes the load to the servo. So there's another set of linkages between your servo motor itself and where the load originates at the head, right? Right. Um, and so you are, you're able to, in a hard crash or in hard maneuvers, sort of dissipate that energy through that chain a little bit before it gets to the servo. And also because it's a push-pull system um, and it has dual linkages on it, uh, you don't put as much stress on the actual servo uh, output shaft itself when something goes wrong. Whereas on a direct to swash, there's nothing in between. I mean, you got you got a single servo arm, servo horn, with a, probably no greater than a three millimeter rigid steel link that goes directly to the freaking swash and the head, and so stuff gets transmitted through there. Uh, without much attenuation, and you beat the crap out of your servos. So that's um, that's kind of the negative side of it. I mean, that's the that's the let's minimize maybe damage to the servos. But what about the flight? There's, it seems to me uh, logically that if you have a longer chain of reaction from the mm-hmm. servo to the belt crank to the, it doesn't that induce inherently more slop into the system? There's more it, movement. It can. Yep, it can. If it's not designed correctly, if you don't maintain it, there can be slop in there. Absolutely. Is that is that Nick, do you notice? Have you can you tell the difference, Nick, when you're flying between the two? You know, man, it's hard because there's really no <laughs> there's no apples to apples comparison there's, out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a different helicopter. It's not like you can buy one. I think the only helicopter I've ever known of that you could run both on the same heli, either or, was the Vision 50. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. The LEQ. That's true. Yeah. So it's, I would say, you know, if it's done, like Justin said, if it's done properly, the links are rigid enough and there's, you know, no slop in the in the plastic ball links, then there, there really should not, in theory, be any different. And what it does allow you to do, okay, so going back to the benefits, is because you've got that larger chain, it does give you a couple of more points along the way between the servo and the blade grip um, where you can fine-tune the mechanical advantage. And what I mean by that is the mechanical gain or for X amount of movement at the servo output shaft, I get Y amount of movement at the head. Um, and it, and it may allow you to fine tune, uh, the resolution of control at mm-hmm. the grips, depending yeah. on what the head is, what kind of head design you're dealing with. The other thing it does, um, which can be a huge benefit depending on how your heli's designed is it allows you to shift some, uh, chunky bits of material around that will help you with CG. And those chunky yeah. bits of material are the servos. I mean, you're looking at a standard six or 700 class heli runs a servo that weighs 55 to 70 grams each. 
And that makes a significant difference when you're moving those inches away from the main shaft. So if you got a heli that's a little bit more tail heavy, you got a beefy tail case out there, or you're running a longer boom because you want to support 750s or 800s, then maybe you adopt a system where your belt or your push pull allows for the servos to be mounted up front to help counteract that weight. Yeah. Before we go on, I want to give an example for um, guys to kind of help understand that the, the, the resolution comment that Justin just made. And this is like a real world example of what he's talking about, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. For example, a lot of the newer guys or even, you know, people have been flying B-Sex now for quite some time. And there's the step where you adjust to the six degrees. You can adjust if you have to, you know, because sometimes you have to tune to get to get the six degrees and to get the blue light. You can actually make those adjustments in the servo horns as opposed to trying to either put smaller ball links in the swash or or tune the head itself. That's basically what you're talking about, right? You can make those adjustments in the servo yeah, horns. Yeah, that, that's definitely, that's part of it. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. It gives you more places to make the adjustment yeah. because as you already mentioned, when you're dealing with a direct swash, the only ratios that you've got leading to the main grip are the, the, um, inner, the main one is the inner to outer swash. And so you're right, you got to play with different uh, ball link sizes. But now you go to push-pull, and um, that opens up another set of options. The bell cranks can be changed. And if you look at some of the, I'd say probably at least a couple of years ago, a line came out with some bell cranks that had multiple ball positions. So that allowed you to fine tune that control. I think they were only available on the F3C ships, which makes sense. But nevertheless, that, you know, that gives you more options. Also too, don't you guys think that the the newer heads, the new direct swash, those are more attuned to the geometry for fly barless. In other words, oh yeah, they're not. I mean, it, I remember you know trying to adapt an older fly bar machine to a fly barless controller. It sometimes became problematic. Whereas now it seems that most of the new stuff, that stuff is in the design. It's 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 designed to fit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Perfect. and there's so much more you know, variance in uh, the abilities of the fly barless systems to handle with slightly off geometry too. I mean, they, they all fly so much better now than they did back then. Back then, if you were going to convert fly bar to fly barless on 4.0 V bar, boy, you had to get it dead on. Oh, or man. else it was just going to fly absolutely horrible. Right. Right. I remember back, I tried to set up a, uh, uh, mechanical mix, uh, to a fly barless, a 4.0 B bar. Uh, it was the Bergen, and, you know, it was the single servo swash, and it was an absolute nightmare to get the geometry, and it, it just was horrible. Chris, have you ever have you have you been have you ever dealt with the the push pull systems, or have you pretty much just been doing? Yeah, well, the- I, I kind of have both two two different extremes. I mean, when I started flying helicopters recently. I started with, you know, I've got a Goblin, I've got a DFC, everything I have, all three helicopters are DFC, and they're pretty simple. But I actually had a helicopter, my first one was back in like 1984, 85. Oh. Yeah, it was a, it was a uh, there was a company back then called Circus Hobbies, and they had a uh, Baron 28, and it was just, I mean, 
by today's standards, just archaic. It was wooden blades. It had metal frames. <laughs> that, yeah, no, no gyro whatsoever. Not even a tail gyro. Just completely. I don't even know what you call it. Fly, you know, fly by the seat of your pants. And I, I, couldn't, <laughs> even, I, I couldn't even get that thing off the ground. So I scrapped that and didn't fly helicopters for about 25 years, I guess. Wow. <laughs> but everything else I've done recently has all been fly barless, DFC, pretty pretty simple stuff. And it, it makes it makes getting into the bigger helis a little easier these days. Oh, I mean, way easier. And then the, the, the fact that we have the internet, we have YouTube. I mean, everything is so much so much easier now than trying to do this back in the 80s. I mean, and and you know, we're talking about setup right now, and and even in the short time, we'll say five years, uh, it, you know, it's it's maybe a little, I don't know, it just feels to me like setup is so much easier. But a lot of that is just the the time put in to learn this stuff. But I just remember feeling so overwhelmed, and you know, we were reminded of that uh, with guys like Mark, you know, dealing with what he's been dealing with with his uh, his fusion build. Uh, the overwhelming nature of a new person trying to deal with the setup of a helicopter. Are there any other setup things that you guys can really, uh, you know, talk about or that you remember that has drastically changed other than the, the going from the push pulls to the direct swash? Um, so let's see. Setup. Well, I don't know. Do you, do you, I mean, would you include like dampers in setup? I suppose you could. Sure. Yeah. Cause uh, before it was, I mean, dude, it was the the damper dancing game of well, what ones are you running? Well, what ones are you running? Well, what ones are you running? Because that affected so much. You know, it, it was the way it flew. Now, I mean, all like you know, just like the geometry the geometry thing, all the heads are designed pretty much based on fly barless, and the helis come with an adequate firm damper that's pretty hard made- damper. Yeah, that's made for fly barless, so it, you don't have to mess around with that. You that it's really not a game anymore. Right? Yeah, like it's it, kind of it like you know what that reminds me of, Nick, is because I remember that when I when I um when I first got uh, my my first big heli, which was a six hundred nitro. I remember getting into conversations on the forums about, oh, dude, well, what dampers are you running with this uh, this set of blades, so on and so forth. And I'd go to the hobby shop and buy like a bunch of different KBDD dampers and and, you know, change them out and try them. The other thing that's like is fly barless paddles or fly barred paddles. It was the same sort of a thing. I mean, it, it was like this crazy dance, like you said, where you're trying to optimize like multiple variables at once. And it, it was just, I mean, to me, it was horrible. I'm sure the people that, and granted, I didn't spend a lot of time on Flybard, but um, to the people who grew up doing that, maybe it's not a big deal, but that's a huge difference. I actually, from the way things are today, you know, uh, you know, if you, you're talking about the fly bar paddles and, and the setups and back when we were dealing with the, with the fly bar cages and all that stuff, I actually had a set of or a tool to uh, make sure the fly bar paddles were like perfectly in line with. I mean, it was like a just like a pick- Maverick made it, didn't they? Uh, I don't know if this one was a Maverick, but it just fit over this fly bars, and it was it was like a pitch gauge for the fly bar uh, for the for the paddles. Oh, I think I've seen that oh, before. Dude, headlocks, the the little the oh, EL yeah, five thousand from Ron Lund. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Or whatever it was, the L3500 or something like that. Just, yep. It's so, so ridiculous. I mean, the, the tools and the, all, everything that it took to get it to fly kind of the way that you wanted, but you didn't really get the full package. And, and you still had the negative tendencies. And, and yeah. yeah, you had those and then you would go to, you would go to high pitch, you know, or uh, full collective up and, and, and you would have to adjust the endpoints to get rid of the interaction throughout the travel with the fly yep. bar lock. Oh my gosh. I remember those. And things. then if you put, you know, you ran like the, uh, the true blood dampers, which were great for smack. And, and then at the bottom of an auto, the last five feet of an auto, that thing's, you know coming down shaking wobbling oh the, yeah the dude. whole way down because that's just the way it was i mean it was too stiff you know we're, i want that, that i was i mentioned a minute ago I, and i can't remember what it was called and someone will probably remind me but i was a big fan of that ron lund tool and if you guys remember that it worked with uh pretty much any fly machine that had uh a centered uh button right so like it wouldn't work on mm-hmm. like Thunder Tigers where everything was above, mm-hmm. but it would uh, had little arms with with uh, little meters on it so you could like level the fly bar out perfectly. Dude, I still have one. And, and and you would attach on the end of this thing that locked on the top of the fly bar a little paper clip. Do you remember? Did you ever do this part? Mm-hmm. And then then there was this pointer thing that you would have to screw onto the fly bar, right? And you would rotate the head and watch if it if it didn't stay right underneath the paper clip the whole time then you had to make adjustments to the swatch plate that was to level the swatch plate and he also had a system where you could put it in a dark room and put a laser pointer on it <laughs> and turn it and you could measure the wall oh no <laughs> dude i remember that yeah yeah i was all you about that tool dude the dis- good god Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember doing all that stuff and just being so stressed over this because there was so many, and it kind of yeah. kind of brings me back to that very first helicopter pulling it out of the box. It was an ARF, and I looked at it and I just saw all those moving parts, and I just thought, oh my god, this is the coolest freaking thing! All of these moving parts, and that was really the the coolness, the first initial coolness of the hobby that I remember, and just. And you would turn the head, you would sit there and hold the heli and you'd turn it and watch all of those, all of those links just work in unison and go, wow, that yep. is truly amazing. And it was a convoluted mess. I mean, you look at the, the fly bar cages and I just, like I said, I went through my trailer and threw a bunch of them away. There was a lot of shit on those things. A lot yeah. of stuff. To oh deal yeah. With. I like, I liked it. I mean, I sit here and complain, but I used to just sit. I out. hated it hours and go through and, and, and tweaking and messing with different paddles i was fascinated with you know longer shorter fly bars different paddles and different weights I, on the uh, yeah i could i could grind if i did this and i ground a little bit here i might get a quarter of a degree more a cyclic pitch <laughs> out of it and, you know uh, uh, man times have changed just, times have changed oh yeah Another thing that we, and actually the first time I uh, actually met Nick, um, I, I mean, we'd been doing the show for a while and we met up at uh, Othello. And one of the big things that, that I remember when I first started was the, the, how tight the blades needed to be. And, and back in the day, and the day wasn't that long ago, it was all about nice, loose blades. And I remember Nick 
grabbed onto one of my buddies. Oh shit, dude! No, that's that's not gonna work. And he he reefed it down. He's like, oh yeah. And I was like, and I went to like fold my blades back, and I was like, someone someone hold the heli while I try to get these blades. I mean, it was. I was like, no way can that be right. Yeah. So, why first of all back then were blades? Why did we have them so loose back then? I don't know. Really? There was no. Rhyme or reason? I, Chris, do you remember back then? Did you have... I, I was told when I first started flying to keep the blades loose just so they could center themselves. Yeah. If I, if I tighten them too much, I would get wobble on the, on the spool up and it might cause me problems, but I don't know if that's true or not. That is true. It will do that. Yeah, no, yeah. It, yeah it's true. Maybe it's just the lower head speeds. Yeah, I mean, now you know? I fire up one of my helicopters and it spools up and that, that's all gone with in a second. You know, I... I think it it depends on the person and where where they come from. I mean, I think I I find that within a group of people there they kind of stick with one range of blade tightnesses. And I think like for example, the four of us, um Nick, you, me, Jesse, Dan, I I can't speak for Dieter. I don't know what he runs, but we all run them I would say tighter than normal. And ever so often, I still run into people that uh, that do have them loose. But the 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 reason why you would want them loose is because these things, when they're when they are rotating, they lead and lag, which means depending on where the CG is cord wise on the blade, the blade will it won't necessarily be sticking straight out from the main grip it could be bent back a little bit or it could be bent forward a little bit depending on the dynamics of the head and that all affects how the thing responds interactions uh responsiveness snappiness all of that but the kind of forces that you get on these things at the head speeds that we run the amount of tightening that we do should not make a significant difference yeah it still does what it needs to do I've done the test once. I I wanted to know this whole people like, oh, I had my blades too tight, so I loosened them and that wobble went away. Like when I'm doing TikToks or something. I was like, man, I crank mine down. I don't know what you guys are doing. Like putting torque wrenches on them or something. And I cranked it down and I could get it to react in hard maneuvers a little odd. But dude, you you couldn't even get them in a foam blade holder. So I don't, Yeah, I don't know. but And of course, me, what's the benefit of cranking them down? Oh, dude, I, I I personally feel like I was the one in this area that ran them tight first. And it was always one reason and one reason only. I love shooting autos. Yep. And that's exactly why I did it. A, because if you have them too loose <laughs> and you get to where you can count the blades in an auto and you bail out, and you give too much pitch. When you bail out, you will play whack-a-mole with your boom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and or if you bounce that auto and botch that auto, I got tired of busting up the back, the trailing edge of my blades. Yeah. Them folding back the and roots. smacking the head grip. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then I ran them tighter so that they would like, you know, You'd get that last minute tip over where you just hardly have any head speed, but it's enough to kind of fold it. Well, I found that, hey, what do you know? Now they're only folding halfway back and voila, I'm not busting blades. 
Well, I do know that I ran my blades really loose when, before I met Nick, and it did take me a while. After I don't know if Nick knows this, but after he tightened them up, I actually loosened them up again. <laughs> yeah. I remember you actually complained and said, um, "Okay, I can't loosen." I couldn't. I couldn't loosen. I couldn't loosen. I, I had to have Nick like loosen them. I could not loosen my blades. I was like, "Damn, dude, what are you doing to but me?" But see, it, it does. You have to constantly check it. A temperature's huge. With blade tightness. You can set it perfect down, you know, downstairs in your hobby room and go out there in the in the sunshine. It'll be completely different. Yeah. How are you guys testing the tightness? Like, I, I tighten mine down pretty good, and I just grab it by the uh, the head, and I give the head a quick twist one direction and the other direction, and if they don't fold, I'm good with that. Is that enough? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much how Or you can lift it up and knife edge with the blades, uh, even with the horizon, and kind of like, you know, shake it. shake it. Yeah. And if they don't droop under that kind of force, then they're probably sufficiently tight. You know, on a comment, on a kind of a, a relative story, I guess, with that whole blade tightness thing, you know, I, I started doing the tighter blades like Nick had showed me. And when I went to do the Todd Bennett class, that's one of the first things he told me oh you got those blades way too tight way too tight and that's kind of a you know really that's that whole you know how we used to do things versus how we're doing how things have changed and how how i mean most everybody runs their blades fairly tight now right yeah but he's old school. yeah exactly and that's the way we used to do it. We used to have, I remember when i first showed up at my flying field and one of the guys went through my heli the one guy that was doing helis I mean, he had his blades so loose, and he I remember he goes, oh, those are way too tight, dude, way too tight. And that was when I was first starting. I mean, they were just like, like throwing like Nick always says, throwing a sausage down a hallway loose. Yeah. And, yep. uh, you know, it, it's one of those crazy things that, that changed quite a bit. One of the, the big things, and we could probably talk about this for a long, long time, the charging and the batteries. Though, I mean, those that technology changes rapidly. Yeah. We've gone, and we kind of talked about it a little bit with – with Chris's case, I mean, the, you know, we're talking about $1,000 charging solutions, and, and man, has that changed. I mean, a, a good way to see how much that's changed if you're new to the hobby is when you go to your flying field and you got a lot of plankers at your field, you will see the, how the technology was 10 years ago, you know, because the, yeah. they're still doing it that way. Uh, you know, the helicopters are demanding a lot more, uh, better batteries, better charging systems. I mean, that's changed a lot. I mean, I when I first started in the helis, people were still using NICADs for their RX packs. Yep. Oh, yeah, dude. And, you know, that's neither here nor there. I, I suppose if, if you need that weight to CG your heli out, I guess, and if you got the room for it, <laughs> because, you know, those take up a lot of real estate. I remember... I was real big. Uh, if uh, you guys remember the Fromco batteries, oh yeah, mm-hmm. dude, those are huge. Yep, and I still have those. those came the, with the, the whole like Fromco Arizona regulator system. Yeah, yep, I, and I still got several of those. But um, they were huge four cell and two cell, like fifty six hundred milliamp lithium ion batteries, and they were they're huge and they're heavy. Nowadays, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Jesse, he's got this on his and Nick as well. He's got these little teeny RX packs on on the heli. I mean, just the the batteries themselves, they're getting so much better. 
uh, higher energy density, much smaller package. And with that, everybody's moving up to the bigger charging stations and and reasonably uh, priced too, dude. I mean, that's a that's another thing that we could that's talk a huge about. Thing, yes. I mean, I I can remember back even even as recently as three four years ago, where uh, you know a a twelve S or a ten S or even six S packs were go like a six S pack would go for two fifty three hundred four hundred dollars a pack. Yes. And they couldn't hold a freaking candle to what we've got now for a third of that price. Yeah, I remember the Thunder Power batteries were just ridiculously expensive. Yep. And I also, you know, kind of thinking back to those days, I remember having conversations with people and it was at the t- at that point in time when, you know, the especially the 700s and the power delivery for the electronics and the and the batteries have gotten so good that People who had been in the hobby for a long time would say, yeah, I'd get an electric, but it would never be anything bigger than, uh, at the time we called them fifties. We call them six hundreds now, you know, it was 50 and 90 back then. Um, because they just, the batteries just weren't there yet. And if you did want to go that route, you, you're going to drop thousands of dollars on batteries. If you wanted to have a a few sets Yep. and they were trying to run these big helicopters on six S systems. You know, if you guys remember the original 600 electric, on the success, you know, and the, wow, <laughs> we've come a long ways with the, with the power delivery. I mean, what is, what is the horsepower? What's the output, Nick, of a, of a modern 12 S 700? Oh, 12, say 10, 11 horse <laughs> right in there. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's come a long ways, man. I mean, the batteries, the cost has come down, makes it a lot easier for people to get into it. Nonetheless, it's and you guys. Another here's another thing that we don't really see anymore. Well, I guess it's because I don't really go on to many forums. I've been uninvited. <laughs> <laughs> but there's something uh, that's changed in the last few years. <laughs> do you? I mean, do you guys see often on the 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 electric versus nitro? I mean, do you guys remember when every post it seemed was about that? Yeah. Yep. yep. It was the electric versus the nitro. You don't really see that anymore. I mean, I don't think it's been a while. <laughs> but do you guys see those those types of discussions much anymore? Oh, they're I still think there. they are still there. But it's more it's not a versus. It's I've flown electric for a while, should I try one? Right. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Or vice versa. Yeah. 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 And that, you know, that's another kind of evolution of the hobby as well. Nitro was was definitely prevalent when I started. In fact, I remember having a conversation, I believe it was Colin Bell, way back. And um, he was on the show, the first version of the show. And, and we were talking about the competitions. And he's like, oh, definitely competition. It's Nitro all the way. It, it's just the show factor, the, the sound, the smoke. It just adds to it. I don't think it's that way anymore. Oh, yeah. I can remember, I don't know what year it is, but the first year, one of the first years where at XFC, uh, gasp, someone was flying a Logo 600. Right. Right? And it was like, ah, well, that's good. He's a great pilot, but it's a 600 and it's an electric, so it lacks presence and that's going to affect the judges. Yeah. Boy, that's changed. That's changed in a big way, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Another big discussion that you used to see all the time, and I got to tell you guys, I I was a late convert. I was just dead set on keeping my 
fly bar. I, I was absolutely a latecomer to the fly bar scene, the fly barless scene. And that's kind of a, I mean, that's huge. I mean, it's fly bar less has taken over. The amount of growth I mean, has just been, I it, mean, isn't it not go just fun- going from fly bar to fly barless, but even within the fly barless arena, it's just astounding to me. It, it is astounding. And it's funny, you know, you go to a fun fly now and it's weird to see the one or two machines that are still fly barred. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you kind of make, poke a little fun and you're like, Hey man, what are those? Uh, what are those? What is that? Is that like a, some kind of a, like a skewer to put meat and put it on the, what is that thing for? Uh, the jokes. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, paddles are for canoes. Oh my gosh. They just go on and on and on, but you still see them. And, um, I do, do you guys, I still have a fly bar. Do you guys still, do any of you guys still, I do not. Fly bar? I do not. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever find yourself just saying, man, I want to go fly one just so I can remember what it was like. I do not. Nope. <laughs> no desire. What about you, Chris? Like saying, yeah, I've never had a fly bar heli, but I'd like to know from you guys, being somebody that's never flown one, is there anything that you would ever want to go back to for, for that fly bar? Was there anything positive about it that was better than a fly barless? Nope. Uh, no, well, okay, hold on. Hold on. Nick, you uh, and I were talking maybe. about this recently. At yeah, one, we talked about it on an episode, point, In the infancy of fly barless, I think there was a lot of the, well, a lot of Mikado, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, was really the only big fly barless name out there, right? And they were still in work with getting things optimized and getting it to flow correctly, so on and so forth. And so I think early on, a lot of the fly barless systems felt very rigid on the head, felt like they lacked momentum in moves they did not flow they did not feel smooth and that's something that you did get out of a fly bar and i think that that's probably one of the main reasons why a lot of the uh top pilots stuck with fly bar as long as they did until they actually were able to start working with the fly barless guys to come up with a way to smooth things out yeah so that feel alone the flow to it in cyclic was a huge advantage but everything else well and again it's it's just it's one person's perspective versus another having to compensate for the odd tendencies and the heli doing what you didn't necessarily ask it to do that's completely eliminated with fly barless and i will tell you this chris as a guy who for a long time flew fly barred machines and was reluctant to switch and part of the reason well, first of all, let me tell you that I wish I had an answer for you, but I progressed and and so slowly during that particular time that my opinion on on, on the flybard machines really is irrelevant because I was just simply hovering at the time. But I can tell you that the one reason, and this has changed for the newer guys, um, the one reason I was so reluctant to make the switch is my first attempt at fly barless was a 4.0 v bar oh dude and that yep that was an absolute nightmare if you guys can remember and we joke about it nick and i both got oh, yeah. started on 4.0 well i you know we joked about the 86 page pdf that was floating around it wasn't quite that long but nonetheless it literally was like a 78 step pdf that mr mel put out 
on how to make this work. Mm-hmm. And it was just this long, convoluted, miserable process that was almost mystical in nature. That, wow. you know, it was horrible. And and that was the reason I just was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna put myself through this because I just remember struggling with it. And I tried it on a Vibe 50 and it just didn't ever fly good. It was a V bar 4.0, and I tried it on the Bergen, and of course I couldn't get the I couldn't get any of that to work. And it just so many failed attempts that it took me when the you know the Beast X came out, which made it a lot easier back then to get into flybarless stuff. I just wasn't sold because I just remember going, "This was such a headache. I don't want to do this because it was miserable." Uh, yeah. But but the you know and that's kind of where the Beast X really shined. At that point, its timing was really good. Because it made that step into flybarless for a lot of people a hell of a lot easier. The whole hobby. It, it was the transitional flybarless system. It was, in yep. my opinion. Yeah. Yep. yeah, absolutely. It was the one that I mean, and they did it on with you know, especially especially when they went over to the you know the seventy two hundred BX. Yeah. Just because now you've got people that was like the okay. It's easy now. Everyone should be flying flybarless, but now we're going to put them on all of the new helis, all the beginner helis, so people just, they're starting with it. Yeah, and I remember the big discussion. I remember the the topic that you saw a lot back then was, should I should I start with flybarless or should I start with a flybarred machine? And everyone, I remember telling so many people, you know, flybarless is the way of the future. Do yourself a favor and just, start with it because yeah you know you're gonna you're gonna tend it's gonna take a long time for you to learn how to set up the fly barless head because it's certainly not it's not intuitive and it's not it's so different you know why why put yourself through that when six months down the line everybody's going to be doing fly barless and you're going to want to do it as well so just go ahead just go ahead and do it and then of course guys another bad experience i had and a lot of guys did too with the 3gx the original wow that was a nightmare. There were a lot of reasons to stay away from the marvelous stuff in the early days, but that has all changed. It's all much easier. Yep. <laughs> Jesse just sent me a text. Yep, I saw oh, that. I just got it as well. Got his 10 out and his nation banner. Yes, up. he does. Nice. I hope he's having fun out there. So we're kind of, I, I kind of want to talk about two more things that have really changed and, and kind of continue to change. Um, the first one I remember, and I was I was a big, I hated belt helis. It was all torque tube for me. And the reason I think that was back then is because that's what I started on. But do you guys, have you guys noticing, I, I noticed a lot of the the Goblin, the, the Synergy stuff, the Compass, a lot of these are going to the belt drives. Do you, it, that's because people, oh man. This is a whole nother. A whole it could nother. be an entire show. It's a whole nother bag of worms. That's because people got a false impression originally of belt. Uh, these companies did not know how to design a belted system properly. So, therefore, automatically, belt belted tails were crap. No, it's that most of the systems that were out there, with the exception of logo who did it from like the beginning were crap so uh, that i think had a lot to it led a lot to it i was actually a big belt fan 
because I, I just I I understood the whole. Well, yeah, but if I spin it on the bench, my torque tube is more free. Oh man, yeah the the <laughs> the no drag comment. curves. If you were to graph it out, it's it's just yeah, it's a whole nother thing. There's there's no efficiency difference when you're flying. It's so trivial. It, it's so minute that it just doesn't. Even you know what matter. it is? It's a pick your poison. It is. It's a pick your poison. There's benefits. There's pros. There's cons to each. And finally, some of the better companies, you know, like like Compass with the seven HV. Yeah, Mikado really got it. Sab figured out how to make a belted tail system properly. And then they work, what do you know, very, very well. Yeah. I don't, I'm not saying they're better. I'm just saying they're, they're on par. The, and it, it's, the one thing I kept hearing, which I suppose might have helped me in the day, but I started, like I said, with a torque tube. For newer guys especially, it's easier. You're not going to be you know, stripping out so many gears, changing gears out all the time, because the newer guys have a tendency to sometimes tap tails on the ground. Mm-hmm. I just didn't buy into that. <laughs> I maybe should have, but I didn't. And I just, to be honest with you, I, starting with the torque tube, it just felt uncomfortable for me to go to a belt heli because I just all of a sudden felt like there's another set of issues that I have to deal with. Uh, belt tension. Is it right? Is it wrong? And being out here in the middle of Montana with nobody else flying helis and no one to to like look at and go, yeah, you're good there. You're not good there. You need to have it a little tighter, a little looser. I started worrying about stuff like, am I going to, I just remember the conversations. Are, are you going to destroy bearings because you're putting too much tension on the belt? Is it too tight? Are you, are you losing power efficiency because the belt is too tight? These kind of things. Yeah, I can see that. And so that was just one of the things that probably I would have got over really quickly had I been around people that were doing belts, but I was the only one around. So there was nobody to talk to. I was all alone in Montana. Dude, you're still all alone in Montana. Ah, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Thanks thanks for, I knew you were going to say something. <laughs> so the last thing I want to talk, we, that I'd like to talk about is um, the head speed thing. Ah, uh, yes. That, it seems to me, and we're kind of trending down, and we've talked about this before, but it seems to me for a while that the head speed thing was just going crazy. Do you guys agree with oh, that? I mean, it was yep. just getting ridiculous. Give us an idea, Chris. What head speeds are you running on your machines? The uh, I know that the Goblin is the one I set up most recently, and I know that one is right about 2000, like maybe 2010, I think is what I tacked it at. And that's usually what I fly it at. And I, I don't, I actually just set it up and I like the way it flies. And then I tacked it later to find out what it was. And that, that's you? kind of my comfort zone right there. And I don't, I don't know if that's high or low. Uh, the 550 was about, I think, right about 2,200 is where, is where I fly that one at. Mm-hmm. But then the 450, I think, is closer to 3,000, like 28, 2,900. So tell us, Nick, what you think about the high head speeds. I know you have, uh, you're pretty opinionated about the high head speeds, at least you used to be. Uh, in fact, you have a signature that says something to the effect of, <laughs> yeah, you could turn the head speed up or you could learn to fly. You yeah. can get some so give us an idea, Yeah, give us an idea where you're coming from and why why you think why you think that way. I just think that with head speed, the more head speed will pull you through anything. 
Right. I mean, it'll pull you through anything. The disadvantage is that you never get to, you don't get to hear the helicopter talk back to you. And it, and it sounds kind of dorky and weird, but being a motorhead and a, and a gear guy, and I've, I've been dealing with engines, you know, as long as I can remember, listening to load is very, very key in anything. Doesn't matter if it's helis or what. Listening to how something loads, the way that it reacts is. And I think that once you get past a certain head speed, if it doesn't load a little bit, you can't really hear if you're doing something properly. And that's doing something properly and just quote unquote being able to do it is the difference that separates good from the best. It is that one and one simple thing. Yeah. I mean, period. You will not see people win uh, Heli Masters, XFC, uh, you know, 3D Masters. You're not going to see them win spinning a 700 class Heli at 2300. It doesn't happen because you don't need any of that to actually fly properly. At that level, I think it, the pros really just run that head speed for shock and awe factor. It's shock, yeah. awe, demo, and because it is fun. It's kind of like saying it's the difference of, you know, having a car that's just loud and goes fast in a straight yep. line. It doesn't really mean that the car is good in general. It just goes fast in a straight line. I mean, the second you have to go around a corner or try and do anything other than just stomp on the gas with it, it all goes to crap. Right. Yeah. You know, what, what would you uh, say is that, that good head speed for like a 700 where you would get that feedback that you want? Dude, I run 2050. Okay. And, okay. and I mean, I know that uh, I think Jamie, you know, they, and they are, I mean, they're, don't get me wrong. I think that I want to say Jamie Robertson runs, I've seen videos of him and I think he was on the lower end of all the aligned pilots when they were doing all the videos, like when they when they loaded the team and all those guys came over and they all put out videos. Mm -hmm. I think he runs 2150. I think Colin runs 21. I do believe right in there, you know, 2050 for me is, is, is comfortable. But that's a lot of power. You've got to temper that with the, the amount of skill of the pilot. If you're yeah. learning, if you're learning circuits and inverted flight, you do not need 2050. Oh God, no! You can turn it down. I mean, eighteen hundred, dude. Nineteen hundred, yeah. even. I mean, nine, four or five years ago, nineteen hundred was a standard. I, I mean, yeah, I've yeah. got mine set up right now at what's right around seventeen fifty, nineteen fifty, and about twenty fifty. And I love it's the just, low head speeds. It's just that it, it, it was fun. It was really cool. All of a sudden with electric motors, when they got really popular, it was, wow, I can spin it faster by just putting a bigger pinion on. And every every month, it seemed like a company came out with a better battery yeah. and a bigger speed controller that would allow to run faster and faster. So then it just became a game, that typical guy game of how fast can I go? How crazy can I make it? But no one in the meantime was really learning how to fly. Right. You know, it, it was just fun. And so if that's what you're after, I mean, like we've talked to Patrick and he was very upfront. And yes, oh, dude, yeah. I just, I don't want any collective management. I just want to <laughs> go out there and make a buttload of noise and make it go fast. And if that's what you're after, that is perfect. Yeah. But 
if you if you want to be progress and become a really good pilot, you need enough to be able to do some of the more demanding maneuvers. But anything above and beyond that, I think you're cutting yourself short. And also, too, uh, to kind of reference back to the Todd Bennett class and kind of that old school versus kind of what, what's being done now, Todd Bennett was telling us, when you're learning to do these maneuvers, 1,600. I mean, he was like 1,600. That's the good head speed, 16 to 1,700 to learn how to do these. That's yeah. that's where he was telling us to run. There you go. He said, you know, and when you're doing that, you're learning how to manage it and then when you go to turn it up and you and you are, have the ability to manage it, you can just make it look. You can then start doing the the craziness with it, but you're still you've learned the energy management that is required to smoothly fly a helicopter and make it look it good. Yep, it's the same reason why I flew why I've hung on to a fifty size nitro for so long, and why I I won't say forced but highly encouraged Jesse to do the same, and he did. Yeah, was because if you could do it with a fifty. You could do it with anything. Yeah, absolutely. So the trend really, like Justin kind of alluded to, I remember it was, uh, you know, the 50 that I first started flying on. I remember when we went to set it up, I took it out to uh, uh, Jason J, uh, a listener out in uh, Coeur d'Alene area. We set that up, I believe, at 1,800, and we left it there. But that that did change. I mean, the, the, the trend was just getting crazy silly with these high head speeds i think back to our fun fly and the various other fun flies where i was watching laddie fly and Mm -hmm. and he does the typical high speed stuff but then he's also he will do a a section of his flight where he just like turns that shit way down i mean that and it's it's just a pleasure to watch because it's it sounds really nice and it's still doing crazy stuff i mean he's still flying really well it's mm-hmm. just a pleasure, and it's it's fun. and you can tell that he's he really has control over the machine, and he's not just using the power uh, to kind of get himself out of trouble when the time when it arises. Yeah. So it, I'm glad to see that the head speed trend is kind of coming down because it was just getting ridiculously. I mean, we you guys remember 2600 on a 700? That oh, is yeah. just oh crazy, man. And the the 600 EFL, they were saying 2,600 on that, which is ridiculously high as well, you know, when that first came out. It all evolves, and I, I assume that uh, we're going to see a lot of changes as time happens. It just It's inevitable. Uh, uh, it's hard to predict. I remember a few years ago, it was pretty easy to predict, predict what the new hotness was going to be, and that was the fly barless, and that was kind of the given. That has kind of come to, to be. I wonder what the next big thing is you guys have any ideas what what you think that might be i think it'll it'll um i'm gonna wait to see what he has to say i say higher cell count on it on everything yeah i think that mine goes along with that which is um the natural step with higher cell count is larger models so 750 and 800 i mean i think we're you know we see we talked about this on the, the New Year's episode, but I think you're starting to see a couple of brands come out with either up you know upgrades, conversion kits, or releasing models that are capable of flying the bigger blades right off the bat. But there are a lot of people who are getting to fly those now, giving them a try, and are really, really enjoying them. 
Absolutely. Chris, what do you think the next big thing in helicopters is? I'll tell you what I'd like to see is a little longer flight time. Yeah, we get about, what, five, six minutes now. It'd be nice to get up to around the nitros flight time, you know, seven, eight minutes or nine minutes. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be, that'd be sweet. Well, it's going to be fun to kind of be sitting on the sidelines and watching these changes happen because anymore the the technology evolves so quickly it's it's hard to imagine what the next big thing is but i'm sure when it happens we'll all be on board (laughs) as we always are i have to admit that now that i've had my goblin for a couple months it's really kind of starting to grow on me with the exception of one thing loading the batteries The guys at KDE, they addressed this issue. They made a removable battery tray. If you've got a Goblin, this is your number one must-have upgrade. That sounds good, Nick. And if you're interested in any of the other upgrades that KDE has, visit their webpage at www.kdedirect.com. So guys, we're kind of wrapping this one up. It uh, it's uh, been a good episode. I do, I do want to make a quick mention, and, and it's kind of a I got a I didn't really get any details, but our friends at Soko Heli Tool tell me that they have a big announcement coming up, probably in the next month. And he didn't really want to give me any details, but he was really feeding me some teasers. And I'm like, oh come on, man, tell me what it is. He says, oh, I'll let you know. So. I don't know what it is, but look for something big from Soko Heli Tools here in the near future. Sweet. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on there, but we'll, we'll find out shortly. Probably, he said July sometime. So. And again, guys, I want to just mention, too, a big thanks to uh, our Sierra Dyne, of course. They were amazing uh, participants in our fun fly. And if you have any any inkling to try out some scale stuff, also, too, if the KDS stuff looks like something you might want to do, uh, they're carrying that in line as well. Give them a give them a look at uh, scaleflying.com. 2,000 likes coming up pretty soon. Oh, dude, it's going to be really soon. Chris, what do you think we should give away for our 2,000th like? Oh, man, 2,000. Oh, boy. You're not giving away Jesse's compass, right? Well, I wanted to. But <laughs> there there was, were a couple of people that said that. Yeah. That would be I, nice. I, but I like that idea. I do, too, but I don't think he's going to go for that. Oh, come on. Take one for the team. <laughs> That's what I told him. So we're going to come up with something cool for that. Uh, you know, we we want to show our appreciation the best as best we can, and we'll come up with something neat for that. So thank you to everyone for your support on Facebook, and thanks for letting everybody know about us. Also, too, we have our forum. You can check stuff out there. There's a bunch of guys using that, and again, you can always get in touch with us on the on the chat box as well. Uh, other than that, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would send me an email at nick at rchelination.com. Justin, if I wanted to get in touch with you. You would send me an email at justin at rchelination.com. Chris, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Well, they could reach me on the RC Heli Nation forums. I'm Synergy Arrow. You can send me a message on there. Sounds real good. Of course, if you guys want to get in touch with Jesse and give him a hard time for not being here this week, you can reach him at jesse at rchelination.com. I am Dan. You can reach me at dan at ursalienation.com or Dan K. Reed on our forums as well. Uh, just a bit of a teaser, guys. We've got some really cool interviews coming up. Uh, next week, we're going to be playing an interview with Burt Kammerer. And uh, we got a pretty good interview lined up this weekend. Oh, yeah. I think you guys will like that one. 
As always, guys, this has been episode number 92. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. And Chris, thanks for hanging out with us, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Pretty cool. You betcha. Pretty cool. Have a good week, guys. Later. Take it easy. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC, and is brought to you in part by Heli Pros, KDE Direct, Progressive RC, and Jen's Ace Batteries. We thank you for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.